What's up, world? Welcome to the Dig on Doug podcast. I'm your host, Doug, and I'm going to be bringing you episodes all about having fun, real, and deep conversations. So I hope you enjoy, and let's get digging. What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the Dig on Doug podcast. Um, going into another episode of the Black in America series where I have friends and family members uh, coming on to the podcast to share their experience of being Black in America. So these narratives don't die down. They're unfiltered. I love these unfiltered uh, series of people sharing their experiences. Um, the first four we have had have been really great. People are connecting with them and learning some things. And so this is another one we'll have here. And so I have a special guest, uh, my friend. Um, we've known each other over the last couple of years, but it seems like, for me at least, it seems like I've known her longer. Um, but she's a, a very genuine, great, sweet person. And uh, Brianna, welcome to the uh, Dig and Doug podcast. Hello. Oh, hi there. Um, <laughs> thank you for having me. I was trying to unmute myself there. I'm, I just want to let it be known I am in an airport right now. And so there might be instances where you hear a little airport announcement. Please bear with me. Yeah, um, hey. I'll try to... Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm gonna say it's all good. We, we we unfiltered. That's like one of my hashtags I I put on here is about unfiltered narratives. And I mean, you're you're a woman on the go, always moving and everything. So we yeah. caught you in the sense of moving and everything. And so um, first of all, um, just check in. How, how are you doing? How 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 are you physically, spiritually, mentally? Um, how are you? Um, I am I. Okay, mentally, I am here, aware, super, maybe even hyper-focused. Um, I am mentally, I am doing okay, you know? Mental health is definitely a thing. I, I haven't had any nervous breakdowns or anything like that. I've had tougher times mentally. So, I again, definitely say I am okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, mentally, physically, you said next? Physically, yeah, cool. um. Yeah, so physically, I'm doing okay. I actually had a, a minor surgery um, back in February, and that took me out for about a month. I was okay. out of work, yeah, out of commission from, like, February 28th or 27th to, to April 7th. Um, and, like, the doctors call it a minor surgery. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> the doctors call it a a minor uh, surgery, but it's a, it was a major thing. I've never had surgery, so that was that was quite a process. But I think it was the fact that I was on surgery leave that contributed, that is continuing to contribute to my well state of being. I guess it mentally, yeah. a lot of people I think are dealing with this this um, pandemic in different ways. And you know, I, I keep people keep trying to check in with me, and I have to let them know, like, hey, I think I'm coming from this at a different place. I I wasn't locked down when you guys got locked down, you know, you guys were locked down in February just because I was out of commission in February and all of March because I was healing. So the place that I'm coming from mentally is different, right? Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, that's mentally, physically. Um, and then spiritually. Oh yeah. But I was also going to say, like, you know, if we're talking about being black in America, I definitely want to talk about the treatment I received at the hospital. Um, so maybe I'm a little mentally fucked up from that, actually. Excuse my language. Hey, no, I'll no. go edit that later. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. You, you are perfectly fine here. There's, there's, there's no filter of anything. You are perfectly good. 
Yeah. So, like, you know, I, I think that had I been of a lighter skin complexion, I'm already pretty damn light. But um, I had I been, you know, clearly white, I think I would have received better treatments the first time I went there um, to, you know, but whatever, we'll get to that. Um, and then spiritually, to be honest, I'm so fucking thankful. The surgery, you know, they went in through my stomach. And they did four incisions in my stomach. Mm. And you, you always hear people in wheelchairs or, you know, people say, be grateful that you can walk, you know? Yeah. And I was down for a little while. I was highly dependent on other people to feed me, to help me get to the bathroom. You know, like basic things. You don't really consider that. You don't consider not being able. Just in like, it's, it's, it's really humbling, I think. Um, so spiritually, I'm grateful. I'm thankful. I'm a lot more thankful than I, I think I was. I, you know, take a minute every day. I'm thankful right now. This is a two-part flight. I'm going to Seattle to meet up with my sister, and then I'll be chaperoning her across the country to Florida. Florida is spiking right now, you know? Yeah. So, like, again, praying, being like, please, God, don't let me get this shit. I want to come back home and hug my dad. Mm-hmm. And I have asthma, and I'm going to, I'm, you know, it's like a virus war zone right now so mentally physically spiritually that's where i'm at thanks for checking in how uh, are you uh, I'm, I'm i'm doing my best in in the midst of all of this i've definitely had my days and week where i'm i'm down and just don't feel motivated to do anything um and then i have my days of uh, feeling better feeling connected honestly um doing these podcasts and everything have helped me a lot i kind of say like um, i'm a rapper when they go into the booth and just get some of that stress and stuff out um doing this podcast has definitely helped me with that i Uh, love that but but like i i won't rap because that's not my skill but really wanted to just start to really get people's experiences on what it means to be black in america because as you know, everything's going on. We have the Black Lives Matter movement in the street. We've had George Floyd. We have Breonna Taylor. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Just this week in California, two people, two black men being hung and they want to try to call it a suicide and everything. And so, and then people are so shocked by this. And it's like, this is our shit all the time. Like, I don't know, now we're in a pandemic and you can see it and, and Netflix wants to make a docu-series and a, a, a damn playlist for y'all to understand what being Black in America is. Um, I wanted to get these stories out and so they can last the nation of time and then always not coming from an athlete or something or Hollywood or something like that. So um, the simple question, I mean, but it's not simple at all. Um, what has been your experience of being Black in America? Yeah, I was going to say, well, um, sorry, I was on mute there for a sec. Um, I was gonna say I think it, I think my experience starts when I was when I was a kid, right? And and mm-hmm. it being brought to my attention. Um, one of the, you know, I, I probably like say a different story when I meet people, but I think there are two instances that stand out just so vividly. The first three, maybe. The first one is where my mom would just express his frustration in the question, "What are you?" Um, because by looking at her, you just can't quite tell. It could be different things, right? So she was always like, if I had $5 for every time somebody asked me, what are you? 
we would never work again for at least three generations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, so just growing up and like kind of hearing her frustration around being asked that question kind of socialized me and brought my attention to race. She also, you know, talked about it a lot because it has profound impacts on, on, on how, who she is. But um, that was the first instance. How, how young instance, were you about that time? How young were you? Oh, probably like second grade, third grade. So oh, okay. definitely able to understand. I think second grade, you're like eight, nine, ten. That's the age, second to third yeah. grade, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, eight or nine, yeah, because my kids were in first grade. They were six and seven. So, yeah, in that range. And um, definitely able to like get context clues and sense general vibes. So I was able to sense the irritation in my mom's tone when she, you know, would retort, Oh, why does it matter? Why are you asking? You know what I mean? Like I could I could yeah. understand that interaction even though I can't quite understand the full and complete concept of race. Yeah. Um, so that was the first instance. The second instance was when people would ask me, right? They began to ask me, What are you? So I'm a little bit older now and now I'm responding to this question and inherently responding to the question with slight irritation, you know? Yeah. Because that's how I was basically raised to be irritated when people are asking me that question. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least aware that you're asking because you either want to judge me or put me in a category or you're, you know what I mean? Like that's, you're just trying to get a sense of who I am and that's the first thing that matters. So being irritated at that um, is something that I learned and I then began to express. But anyways, the second part is answering that question, right? Yeah. I'm entitled to come up with my own answer. So the way that my mom answers the question is different from the way that I answer the question, largely because of our, our makeup. She is truly mm-hmm. half and half. I am not. So, but I'm just really, really light. I'm a lot lighter than my dad. I'm a lot lighter than my mom. So people assume that I am actually half and half. And when you break it down, what are you? Oh, well, you know, I'm black and white. And I think there's some Native American down the line. I don't, I'm not sure. And I'm like, oh, you know, my cousin, she kind of got at me one day. She was like, why do you tell people that you're black, white, like you're black? I was like, well, that's not exactly true because I spend every single summer with my white grandma and my white family, blonde hair, blue eyes. So to not recognize that is disrespectful in a way, you know, it's like, I don't consider you my family. It's also really difficult spending time with my white family, growing up and spending time with my black family. There are stark differences in the culture. And just kind of like growing up with these, like on the black side, you know, my dad's listening to Tupac, hearing all the, the, you know, hearing what Tupac is saying about oppression that white people subject us to. And then going to spend time with my white, white people who just love me. You know what I mean? So being really confused about what I'm hearing about white people, Mm -hmm. but then what I'm experiencing from my white family. But back to the question of my, my cousin asking like, your breakdown, like, why do you, you're black. What are you, like, what are you talking about? You're black. And then she put it in terms that actually made a lot of sense to me. You know, that made it like, okay, like, I'm black. Why are you asking? Right? Like, let's move on with the conversation. I'm black. Yeah. Accept it. And she kind of told me, she was like, that's all you need to say. You don't need to explain exactly what you are percentage by percentage. She goes, put it to you like this. Here's a cookie. I only want you to eat 75% of that because that's all that's black. Right? You know what I mean? Like, are you, would you eat 75% of a cookie? No, you're going to eat the whole fucking cookie. So yeah. it's like, I'm fucking black. 
So or, it's or, it's like, or it's like you have the cookie and you're not saying like, oh, well, there's flour in here. There's you know, some eggs in here. There's you know, just, there's just 25% a nuts. So do you want to <laughs> only eat a part of it? Because I hear you say you don't like, like, what What are you talking about? Exactly. How are you trying to put me in a box of mine? <laughs> so it was just like, so that was the second thing that I think really stood out. And then there was just one summer I went to Bandon. Um, actually, there's another one. I won't talk about that. So it's just a little bit too personal. Well, maybe, no, the, the world probably needs to fucking hear it. I love my family. Let me just like start by saying that but they've made some missteps my mom has always talked about those missteps but i don't think they really took it to heart i was a lot farther away and i i visit my family when i can on my own free time and so there's not that necessary there's not like the dependency so it's kind of like i come up to visit you literally just to spend time with you because i love you so if you offend me while i'm up there i'm gonna call your ass out on it and it doesn't bother me one way or another because I don't need anything from you. I am here to visit with you, but you will not make me uncomfortable. Yeah. And so there was an instance for the 4th of July one summer. I went up there recently. When I say recently, I mean within the past two years. Trump was fully elected. There was a full-on Trump contingent in this parade in Bandon, Oregon. I went there. My grandma was already dead. She had just recently passed in, in 2017. So this was the next following year. Again, start, trying to like stay as close as I can to this part of my family when really the rock that held us together was my grandma now that she's gone do i still continue to make the effort to go up and visit this family absolutely um like without question so i went up there and you know somebody said something really offensive and this is right when trump is like hot and heavy like he's knee deep in his you know really tumultuous rhetoric and there's a Trump contingent, like a Space Force fucking army truck came through the, the parade. Wow. This is also at the time when the, when the what's the young girl, uh, Hallie or whatever, the singer was supposed to be the Little Mermaid. And you were seeing these really nasty memes all over Facebook about, you know, you can't have a black Little Mermaid and the teeth being so white. And so one of my white family members, it was dark and we're watching the sky, you know, the firecrackers. And one of my white family members says, wow, your teeth are really bright. Or like your teeth are really white, and I was like, "Whoa!" Wow. Like, you know, like, "Whoa!" You said that, and so that kind of escalated. I called it out in the moment, which may have not the, been the best thing to do because, like, it was a family gathering. There was people, but I just couldn't help it. It flirt. It, it like it just ripped. It slipped out of my mouth, honestly, like word diarrhea. And I was like, "That's racist," and like that created a whole thing, and it just escalated from there. And and ultimately, and then you know, and somebody saying. Like, you know, in the apology and in the recognition, like, oh, sorry that that seems racist. I didn't really mean it. But also, like, in the apology, there was a point where he grabbed me by my cheeks and he said, oh, you chunky, you cheeky little monkey. And I'm like, oh, my God, your apology is wow. better. <laughs> and, like, I just am really lucky in that instance because when I flagged it, they didn't believe me. Mm-hmm. They kind of put me in the same crazy boxes, like, oh, your mom says this shit all the time. You're just like her. And I'm like, no, nah, dog, really, this is weird. And the only reason why they took that seriously is because I had brought two of my white friends, a Jewish guy or a Jewish girl and a Christian guy. That matters. Um, and I can explain why, but it definitely does because of the experiences, right? You have white male privilege, Christian, you're in like the top category of privilege. And then you yeah. at least have like a Jewish white person who generally kind of can imagine what it means to be oppressed but still white and not experiencing it so that does matter in this in the context of this story but um i brought them up there with me and they saw those interactions and so they were able to be like no he really said that yes 
he really did that with his body language. Yes, it was a little awkward, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's how they said it. Because, you know, white people, they don't really deliver the news. (laughs) So, like, I mean, like, they kind of downplayed it. Oh, it was a little awkward, but, like, I was livid. I was serious. I was enraged. And it also didn't look good because now my grandma's dead and now I'm calling shit out like this, right? So it's kind of like you you lost some stability and now it's just unwieldy, you know what I mean? And and that wasn't, I I felt all those things, but ultimately that's what it was. Um, And so like, those are the three. Oh, and then there was one summer when I was younger and a young man, he got really upset with me because my friend, like it was like a double date type of thing. He got really upset with me because I wasn't interested in moving any further and he called me a mulatto. And that was the first time I'd ever heard that term. Wow. And and that to to be called that is deep <laughs> because a lot of people don't know what that means or is. Correct. And so, so you like you say something like that, that's coming with venom. And yeah, I was about thir- twelve or thirteen at that time. Mm-hmm. So that's I guess that's four instances. There's the instance of my mom and the question. There's the instance of me being, you know, corrected on how I answer the question. There is a time when someone really wanted to hurt me and called me a mulatto and taught me a new vocabulary. And then there was the most recent time where the people who are supposed to love you the most just aren't quite aware. Yeah. How how did the mulatto thing hit you and affect you? That one actually didn't hurt me as badly because I knew what the intention was there. And I'm able to roll that kind of shit off. Like, all right, I see where this is going. Okay, I'm I'm pretty like level headed in that regard. Mm-hmm. I knew it was a battle I wasn't gonna win. You know, I'm talking to like the dude, his name is Matt Stokel, and he lives in Bandon, Oregon. If this gets out, tell that racist <laughs> motherfucker he can suck my big fucking tit. Anyways, um, he was a dick, like a fucking douchebag. Shout out to Zarina. Um. But yeah, so it was him. He did that shit. Fucking prick. Um, anyway, he tried to do that, and I was cool. No worries. I'm still smarter than you. I realize what's happening. I know I can't win this fight. I'm surrounded by all my white friends, and we're all 12 and 13. No one's going to stand up to the bully on the block. I'm just going to be like, you know what? Okay, I see what this is. You're just mad because you ain't going to put these. But whatever. So that whole situation. Um, but yeah, those are the instances that I that I recall like most vividly that kind of like shaped my experience and how I interact and, and with race and how I like identify and, and just kind of navigate the world. Yeah. And so the 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 interaction you had with your with your family and everything. That's what a lot of people need to do right now. That's what is going to continue to to evolve to change. It's not letting those sly comments go by when you're with a friend or or family member or something. And and it was tough for you in that moment. And it's you got to call that shit out, bro. You got to yeah. call it out, or else they're going to keep doing it, and they're never going to get it. And if they really love you, they're going to realize that they fucked up, and they're going to say sorry, or else they're going to be cool, and you're going to realize that that's not really your cool ass family anyway. And yeah. I have no problem writing off family. The one I told you about, the one who was like, you answered the question this way, she did, she did a couple fucked up things to me. We don't talk. So mm-hmm. if you don't treat me the way I want to be treated, once I finally learned, thank dad, once I finally learned how to set boundaries and standards, yeah. if you don't meet them, nigga, I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, you just don't meet them. You know, it's until when I say I'm done, I'm really done. Yeah. And it's not like a done I'm going to try to ruin you. It's a done I just simply don't have time for that 
energy because yeah. it takes a lot to express how I feel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just don't have the. the uh, uh. <laughs> no, it it ta- it takes a lot one to be black, then to be a black woman, then to be a light skinned black woman, and have to deal with all that stuff day to day. And as you know, me and you talked before um this just in the sense of everybody's feeling all this stuff but we've lived this stuff this has been our whole life and and it 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 gives you a certain demeanor and i know one of the things that and i hate always hate this term um because all of the beautiful black women who i know always talk about from the other side no matter who it is male or female different cultures always feel like black women are mad and mean and and that's just a that's a fucked up position to always have. And 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 what is have you had that that interaction with people and everything as well, thinking that you're always pissed off or like you look like you're not having fun or whatever, like you're supposed to be their entertainment and be smiley and bubbly all the time. Um yeah, so the latter I think would be true for me. Again, you know, really focusing in that I am yellow i truly am yellow skin and the the automatic irritation aggravation that you get from darker skin women especially when i was younger and people weren't really as conscious as they are right now right i remember quite clearly a young woman in high school just hated me just fucking because her name was helen moultrie we're friends on facebook now she eventually turned around just you know like her attitude around but i thought she didn't fucking like me and i have no idea why Mm-hmm. Like, I had no fucking clue why. Just no clue whatsoever. I'd never interacted with this chicken math class. I'd never said anything wrong. I would even do things like, oh, I like that skirt. And she'd be like, thanks, I like it too. That's why I bought it. Bitch, <laughs> I want my compliment back. <laughs> we reclaiming compliments in 2020. <laughs> like, I, I don't know her now, you know, but I was in high school in algebra. We had this African dude. He was cool, but like, and pe- I mean, even then, people were hella rude to him because he had a thick-ass accent instead of respecting the fact that that man could teach us a lot of shit that we need to learn. Yeah. Not, a, not only about math. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, it's just high school and you're stupid. And 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 that experience was really, like, elevated for me. I've never been cast as, like, the angry black person, but I have been. It's always very awkward, you know? I'm not the most beautiful person in the world, but I'm certainly, by regular standards, not ugly. And that was brought to my attention all the time. It is really, really, again, with my cousin, she's darker than I am. But she, when I said she was so beautiful, she could be like a model. She was, she should. I don't know why she didn't. She was beautiful. Yeah. Tall, skinny, perfect features, perfectly symmetrical facial features. That matters, right? Mm-hmm. And she was gorgeous, but always having a play myself down because I know that they're looking at me because I'm lighter. Yeah. So it's it's like this this having to be just extra humble for no reason to, to mm-hmm. compensate for the insecurities that society has built into you. Yeah. That's not my problem. That's not my cross to bear. I should mm-hmm. be comfortable being as either ugly or beautiful as I am and not have to feel like I need to be extra shy or extra quiet or extra whatever so that my darker friend can get her shine too. Yeah. That's not my, that's not my thing. And so it's just, I think the way that I interact with racism is just being extra conscious and trying to accommodate and just realize that, Oh shit, this darker person is next to me. 
let me dim my light because I know that their light has been dimmed, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's, and I think that's a real thing. Yeah, no, that's, that's, no, that's real. And, and that's the first of I'm hearing about that, but that's part of your walk and everything. And I would definitely say that you are one beautiful, amazing woman. So don't buy into none of that. What, what you, what you just saying there, I believe you are the world. So, um, but it's, 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 it's part of the journey. And that's why I like these series is because you're sharing insight that people don't understand and don't know what's going on. And we do have these social norms in the sense of what are racist social norms, honestly, in the sense what beauty is and, and what's ugly and everything. And that's, that's something to forge forward. I mean, as much as usually it's, it's tainish in the sense of dark skin, but I mean, we still can have this nasty light skin, dark skin battle and to this day and it's unright. I mean, I think it also stems on the men too. If you like what you like, love that shit and represent that shit. And don't, you know, I think the men also need to like, cause you talk about, this is across all races. Women in general are subject, right? Now I'm being a feminist for sure. Women are subject to unreal beauty standards, but then you add the extra layer of race in there. I don't really need to say too much more. I know we all know about it, but even people asking me about my fucking hair, you know, yeah. when the girl next to me clearly has a weave. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you, why are you doing all of that? Her shit is just as, her, these bitches be slayed, okay? Like, I'm not even lying. <laughs> I don't feel that comfortable or beautiful in my natural hair. You see, I got it all kind of done right now. It's, it's all of these things that I think men need to realize that they perpetuate. And if they don't understand their role in perpetuating these ridiculous fucking standards, mm-hmm. how are they supposed to have these women not be insecure? You know what I mean? How 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 are they supposed to act? Because you also need to just understand the systems that are at play here. And many people don't really. My my favorite professor, his name is Robert Day Brem. I had I took his political science class uh, with a kid named Hassan. He's a, like a movie maker now. He's awesome. But those are the only two people that I remember from this class. Robert J. Brem, he's a professor at College of Alameda, a junior college, by the way. There's nothing fucking wrong with junior college. Hey, hey. I took DVC, <laughs> that's where it's at. <laughs> I took his class, uh, political science, and I was honestly the first A I'd ever gotten in college, and it was really because my, my final project was just so perfect. That's it. Um, but without the study groups and this kid was on, I wouldn't have passed the class. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but like, the one thing is I can't remember much. I can, that's a lie. But I mean, I, I can't remember many specific what, things. What sticks, what sticks out to you? What sticks out to you? There it is. Thank you. And actually, I, it's funny because I ran into Hassan on a bar one day at El Cerrito Del Norte. And he's getting on with Tom. I was like, yeah, I know you. You're so and so. And um, the first thing, the way that we connected was off of this phrase that our professor said. We're like, yeah, where do I know you from? We know you from, you know, you do that thing, right? And he was like, oh my God. Do you think about the things you think about? And that's how Robert Brem would, doctor, I think it's doctor, that's how Dr. Brem would start every class. And he would also, he's very energetic as a professor as well, like mad energy. So if you were asleep, you were not in his class. He was loud. He was in your face. And all of the time, he was not calling us stupid, but he was basically saying, wake up. If your thoughts are like an ESPN newsreel going and going, do you ever take time to pause that newsreel and focus on one of the things that you thought about? You think about a lot of shit all day. What do you follow up with? Mm-hmm. And 
that just clicked. It made so much fucking sense. And there's a couple people in my class who probably didn't get it. And I wonder, where are they now? But for the ones who did get it, we're definitely awake. Yeah. So I appreciate that. I actually wrote it on my bathroom wall. I have a graffiti wall. I'll send you a picture later. Um, I have a graffiti wall, and, and that's on it. You know, he made my wall. That's one of the things I fucking think about, and it's why I critically think about other shit. Like, did you just, did you hear yourself say that? Did you think about that? What do you, let's talk about that. <laughs> let's focus. And so say the phrase one more time. Yeah, so it is, just to hear me, when I get some mask and fresh air. Um, <laughs> Do you think about the things that you think about? Do you think about the things that you think about? Yeah, he said it a lot more eloquent, but it was, do you think about the things you think about? I added an extra that, but whatever. I just want to make it clear. No, hey, no. I mean, that's 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 real. And I mean, that's what what life is because so much, and I, I like to say so many people, and I mean, I'm guilty of it myself as well. I mean, so many times we can, we just see something, but we don't research the depth of it. You know, it's, it's like going back to your beauty standards. It's like we see this one portrayal and that's what we want, but we don't go into the real depths and understand what women have to go through and deal with to even be able to get the nerve, the gumption, the courage to be themselves and to walk out of the house as, as slayosauruses as they are. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely real. So it, it, just, it just takes a lot. I think, you know, we all have, parts to play and this perception of what should be but we just need to be real about where that comes from and yeah. the power that we have to appreciate other things in other forms and I would say we're a long way from where we started when I like was socialized to feel and think this way but we're, we still got like hella far to go hella yeah. far to go and, I, and like you said and, and part of because racism is just one layer amongst all the other stuff that's there but it's knowing that you can you can build your house and not have to tear your neighbor house down. Absolutely. Like, oh my God, that's so real. And and so many people get caught up on that. It's like when people get this false bravado of, oh, I'm an American and all this stuff, and it's like all other countries suck. It's like that doesn't have to equate. Like we can we can still be cool, we can still be fine and still have pride in yourself. It's like not like you talked to them earlier, like you having to try to dim your light because you're around darker skinned women or whatever, but your light can shine and their light can shine as well. I, I would agree with that. I was thinking about something else. Um, you know, in order for everybody to be rich, I don't think that means we take more money away from, you know, the people who are already rich. I just think we distribute the wealth equally, right? Like me being financially stable doesn't mean you have to go broke. So yeah. similar concept. Yeah, no, it's, it's very vital. And so I'm going to get you out of here on this one. Um, what what advice would you give somebody right now who's coming into all of this knowledge and understanding what, what Black folks and people of color have been dealing with in this country? Um, what's a piece of advice you would want to give them? Um, you know what? I don't mean to be a copycat, but I really want to elevate his words. I would I would share Dr. Brown's words. You need to think critically and carefully and really reflect on the things that you think about. And that's 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 that's, that's what people mean when they say check your bias, check your privilege. Before you say whatever it is that you're about to say, before you do whatever you're about to do, just check yourself. Yeah. So that's I would so, I would elevate that. As as the old school song says, check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> 
all of that. It's, it's, it's vital. And so if you're listening to this, I hope you got something out of this. Hope Brianna was able to hit home with some words for people of color and for non-people of color. And you see the spectrum and the life that she's is living and has had to live and the, the impact it's had on her. One of the things that's vital and people are like, oh, well, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, well, she probably didn't have it that bad. If you listen to her descriptions, she got very detailed. She remembered people who were there, names and everything. That's when <laughs> something has a big impact on you. It wasn't like, oh, well, it was this one time or this one time. Like, it's really vital. And that stuff is part of who she is and part of who she's growing. And she speaks for a nation of people out here who are going through the same thing. It's not just her. As people say, the Black culture, one person is not a monolith. We're not all the same. We are so vast and so different and however you interact with people is vital and just having a couple black friends don't make you non-racist or if you just had sex or dated a black person or somebody one time that does not make you not racist you can still be racist in all of that stuff and so grow think about what you think about and and change because this is a lifelong journey it's not a one night stand is not an Uber ride to, to change what this system and what this country has built. So with that, peace out, y'all. All right. Thank you so much for the time. See ya. All right. Take care. This has been another episode of Dig Undug. I really hope you got something out of this. And if you did, go ahead and make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a comment below. I want to hear from you. Also, you can reach me on Instagram at digundug or email me at digundug at gmail.com. Share this with your family, friends, co-workers, and your squad. I look forward to your comments. And with that, keep digging, y'all. Peace out.